Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Dave Hanratty and there will be no encore for the final time in 2021 it is the best albums of 2021 and I am reunited and it feels so good with Craig Fitzpatrick hello. and Zara Hedeman hello yay marvellous how it's a, it's been a week mm-hmm. we what a up. week what a week it's been the dedication uh, we all showed up wearing the same outfit as last time yeah. which is funny yeah. uh, I said it already time is an abstract concept yeah. here we are that's right it is a back-to-back recording. <laughs> but an hour. Spoiler. <laughs> but we had a nice lunch break. Um, yeah. It's all been very civil. I nearly died. Yeah, you nearly fell off a road. Yeah. But, you know. What would we have done with this episode if Zara had have expired? <laughs> it would have been very... <laughs> I said that it would be very difficult. I mean, you know, the logistics of recording with just two people right I mean, afterwards. we do it most. We, we, we would have done it. I know, but like... Zara, you would want. Out of respect. Oh, yeah, yeah, we would, have, we, we would have continued on, of course, and just, you know, try to find the uh, the guile mm. to continue with the show. And I think we were saying remove Zara's points because, of course, she wouldn't be, you know, here to stand by. Yeah. Her that is so, so who are we to speak for the dead? So, you know, it's very much... Um, but you're very much alive. Yeah. And kicking, uh, boys. Uh, <laughs> happy Christmas, everyone. Well, will we be kicking any of these records? Probably not. Because they're oh, in the top twenty best, yeah. <laughs> but there could be some disagreements. We shall see. I think there will be. I wonder if we should ever do a, a worst round up. I, there probably would be some some mileage in that, but not this year. We're keeping it positive. It's happening now, and we're going to get into it. Much like last week's episode, the best songs of the year. We have twenty contenders this time, and we have a system in which we've got kind of a league table decided by a diplomatic vote. I would say we all kind of put towards or put forward rather our our favorites of the year, and then had you know discussions after the. Fact. Act and you know, I think it, it lined up kind of nicely. Um, 
I, I think there's no major controversy in, in, in here so far. Um, I guess one thing we didn't really ask in the songs episode before we get going, is there anything that didn't make the top 20 that you're kind of like, oh, you know, I would, I would have liked to have seen them in there? Is there anything from this year that stood out? Because, like, I have been kind of banging this drum that I don't think it was the strongest year for music that we've ever had. Yeah, I think I, mm. I said that as well. I don't think it's been a terribly strong year. Last year in particular seemed like a, a crazy good year for music. And I don't know if it was the pandemic striking and people kind of rush releasing stuff or having that time. And it just felt like a, I don't know, a sea change moments. There was a lot of creative energy in the air. But this is like 2020 part two and it's been a bit slow there's some mm. great stuff on these lists but yeah. there's no I guess maybe once we get to the top five there's a few few albums I thought maybe would have featured there but overall I mean I've got favourites that didn't make the cut but this seems like a good summation mm. there was one album that didn't make the top 20 albums which I won't spoil you can spoil it Okay. If it's not in there, you can say what it is. <laughs> like, did uh, make the top twenty, not the yeah. top five. Okay. Um, Dean Blunt's Black Metal Two is a great. Oh, okay. that is very good. Um, was sad that that didn't feature. That was a really, really great album that I loved this year. But I, otherwise, yeah, I thought Black Midi would have made it in. Oh yeah. But I guess Craig didn't want to go back to that medieval tavern that we. <laughs> That we that we crossed. It's quite a journey, but back in the day, back in the mm. yeah. I quite like the Shame so. album. I thought that was a good album yeah, to start I the year. That, a lot that didn't make it here well. either. Snail Mail didn't make it. War on Drugs didn't make it. Saint Sister. War on Drugs. Yeah. Oh, hang on, they're in here, are they? Whoops. No, they're not in there. No, are, they're not. Are they not? No. Well, I'm. Saint Sister didn't make it. I thought they did. I, uh, wow, this is how <laughs> this is how discombobulated Spirit I am. Of Beehive. I really like that album. People should check it out. Zara's, there was a lot of good. Zara's albums. falling off the couch. Um, yeah, it, with with shock. Wow. Hang on. It's amazing the difference between the last episode and the professionalism coming in hot and, and we just haven't even had any uh, drip of alcohol or I, We actually haven't. Yeah, no, we, we've been super water. professional. I've had three coffees today. Though, I've had so. two bottles of sparkling water. Yeah, it's all happening. I think we're just very excited. I know You're I am. You're going to be blitzed now. Two bottles of sparkling water. Well, look, yeah, apparently I'm already making a show of, uh, of everything of here. Mm-hmm. Of the show. But we'll, 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 we'll get the show back on track, I think. And we'll discuss... The actual albums that we have. So the the plan is as follows. You're going to hear a super cut of like 20 down to 16. We'll talk about them. We'll eventually work our way to the top five. When we get there, much like with the songs, we'll present them in alphabetical order and then we will have a discussion about how they should stack up and what should ultimately be crowned album of 2021. Uh, anything else to say before we get going, Craig? I'm looking forward to it. I think people are in for a treat. Um Whatever you're looking for in an <laughs> end of year episode, what do you reckon the listener is hoping for? Confirmation that uh, their choices are in there, probably, and probably hoping for me discovery. to kind of me to recapture some sense of form here. I feel like I'm veering all over the map, and I should say, listener, once again, this is the final episode. So much like the last episode, I, I, I want it, not ever. A <laughs> uh, huge thank you to everyone who's listened to the show this year. All we ask is that you tell your friend about the show. If you have anyone who would like a good music show in their life with a bit of humor. A lot of in-depth analysis. And if you want to go that extra mile, because in the last week since you've heard this, Craig still hasn't signed on to the Patreon. So <laughs> it's patreon.com slash noencore if you'd like to, you know, go that extra mile for us after the hard year that it was. Lots of episodes, lots of fun. Zara was a huge part of the show this year, so thank you as well. Oh, yeah, thank you guys thanks, for Sarah. having me. And thank you for being here for this. With that in mind... You're my boys. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Just wrap it up that's now. That's really nice. They're all great albums. shocked you looked that I was nice. Let's kick it off. Uh, we're gonna. Uh, Adam has very kindly put together Supercuts, so we're going to give you 20 down to 16, and we'll go through them then. So let's kick it off. 
wouldn't do it all Get a right to run away from the big cannonball with your two All right, wow, that's our first selection of five. So, number 20, Mogwai, As the Love Continues. 19, Halsey, If I Can't Have Love, I Want Power. Up next, Ice Age and Seek Shelter. Number 17 is Paranol and To See the Next Part of the Dream. And the last act that you heard there was John Francis Flynn and his record, I Would Not Live Always. Where to begin, guys? Uh, There's a lot happening in this one, I think. Um, I'm really glad that Mogwai made it in. Mm. Yeah, I was going to ask you, that was that was our 20th position. You feel it should maybe be top five, Dave? Um, Potentially. I mean, it's... it's Well, it didn't make my own personal top five in the end. I mean, oh, again, okay. like... <laughs> well, <laughs> not to... <laughs> flopping all over the place here. <laughs> not to shoot you down. It, it was, you know what? It was a very heartening um, story, the whole thing around that as well. Mm-hmm. I do very much enjoy that album. Mm. I love the fact it got to number one, even if some of the campaigning around it got... Well, a, little bit, a little bit gauche. Yeah. Um, they very much deserve it a great band and Mm -hmm. recapturing some of the excitement of previous releases after I feel like Maguire one of those bands that usually deliver but the narrative just became well they're doing what they're doing and there was something about this that stood out Mm. and even in the arrangements as well like I felt that like they're really atmospheric they're very uh, enveloping but there is like as well a great sweetness as well throughout um, which is not always something that you would kind of expect from that kind of uh, wheel of music. Um, I really enjoyed that. Also, kind of Balearic. Oh, yeah. Like, it's quite there, even though there's the great sweetness and, and I was going to say frostiness. Oh, wow. <laughs> It has all of the elements. Um, so what you're saying is you could see you some... Think there's a lot of warmth in it too, Zara. <laughs> yeah. I put it to you. There's... You could see some Calvin Harris remixes of this, could you? Is that where you're going to get enough? Frosty with Balearic. Oh no, sorry. Um... Like the Balearic Islands. Balearic. Baltic? Do you mean Baltic? Baltic. Baltic. Yes, it's That's Baltic. literally the opposite. absolutely Baltic. Wow. <laughs> this is Baltic podcasting right now. Because uh, I was like, yeah, I was like, I guess there's something in there. You could see some kind of Tiesto-esque remixes, but maybe not. Uh, so I- essentially you're in agreement that it's a cold record. Is that what you're saying? Just like the timbre of some of the instrumentation, I felt. It has that like frostiness to mm-hmm. it. It's like a kind of Seeger Ross style. Well, it's uh, it's a record. This is As the Love Continues by Mogwai. It's, right it's a record. It's a record that warmed me up. Uh, when it arrived because uh, I at the time when it came out earlier in the year I think it was April or so um, I was finishing up therapy and it was kind of the soundtrack to that for me and also I hadn't written anything for a very long time I was kind of in this kind of freelance mire of just not really doing anything and I was moved by this record to write a very personal piece that I put out on Medium. I called it As the Love Continues. I'll probably put a link into the show notes on this one just if anyone didn't get to it at the time. Um, and it was just, I, I had a, I had my classic physical reaction to it. I had an emotional reaction to it. It became a very important album for me. I recognize that like a band like Mogwai, not so much diminishing returns, but there are limitations. But it did feel like they had found something new. And it felt fitting that this was the record that went that gave them their first ever UK number one. Because it felt like maybe the ending of one chapter and the beginning of another. And with a band like this that can circle around sometimes... It was just a nice victory or something. It felt that way to me. Yeah. Um, another, uh, another, there's a couple here for me of standouts and um, the Halsey record. Uh, I I thought was just so interesting. Um, if I can't have love, I want power. I mean, 
I'm not terribly familiar with Halsey outside of like some chart hits that you can't escape and ordinarily I probably wouldn't necessarily have really ran towards this one but of course the hook on this one is that uh, she worked with Trent Reznor and Anarchist Ross um, essentially recruited them to be the producers of this record and I thought that was such a smart move. Um, obviously, look, you know, that's going to draw me in. And you can hear their hallmarks on the album from even the opening track, which sounds a lot like, kind of has that hand covers bruise element to it. And there's the track that you heard there is um, I Am Not A Woman, I'm A God, which is very full on pop industrial, but there's a lot more to it than this. And it's very clear to me as well that like uh, Halsey's agency is all over this. It's, yeah. It is their record. It's not like it's it's not a case of like they stood in the background and the lads did all the work. It was just a wonderful union. And it was it's very clear from seeing interviews that they've done together just how excited the artist was to get this to happen. Uh, even there was a performance on Saturday Night Live of Darling, which is a beautiful number on this record with Lindsay Buckingham and Halsey Reid takes the time to, you know, to be like, I'm, I'm here with like a living legend, but it's still very much their show. I think it's a, it's an album that did get critical acclaim. It's an album that did it commercially okay, but somehow it kind of feels underrated. Uh, I was very captivated by it, especially once again, returning to it in the run up to this kind of like rundown. Uh, it's a real standout for me. I thought it was excellent. What, uh, what's today for you in this list? Um, I have to say actually the Halsey album just really didn't work for me. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Um, I know that obviously Trent and Atticus are your boys mm-hmm. um, and I was you know I was initially excited uh, by the prospect of an album produced by the pair of them with Halsey like you I'm not overly familiar um, with the previous work but I just found this to be a little bit grating um, her vo- vocals really didn't do a lot for me and I just kind of thought the overall sound of it was quite cheap um, but what did stand out for me and worked quite a lot for me throughout the year was John Francis Flynn's debut album, I Would Not Live Always. Um, I think he's just such a uh, mammoth uh, musician um, in stature as well. He's very tall. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but his live shows are just, I don't know if you guys have uh, ever seen him live but he's just incredible. He works with um, Ross Chaney, who's an incredible musician and producer as well. And he really brings a lovely electronic um, veneer to these traditional folk songs. Um, The album opens with a song called Lovely Joan, which is one of my favourite songs of this year. His voice is just so commanding. It's so powerful. It's so distinct. Um, And it was one that I really, really loved uh, returning to a lot. Um, that worked for me a lot. Was kind of surprised by the Ice Age one. Craig, was that a no ox chord? Did you have them? We reviewed, we reviewed the actual album on the show, the yeah. show yeah. yeah. And I, remember, I was really into it, yeah. Yeah, I was kind of, because I can't remember if this was a point that you made on the on that episode where the name Ice Age makes them sound like they're going to be a lot heavier than what they actually are. Like, yeah, possibly. Like, I do think this sounds very much like a Craig band. Oh, yeah. It's, it's totally real, like, 90s kind of British style sounding music yeah um, it wasn't my favourite kind of album but I did enjoy pockets of it like <laughs> that's good to hear <laughs> yeah no I was really into that I should maybe call out Ice Age because Dave was looking at my notes just before we started recording <laughs> I sure uh, was because they're printed yellow because <laughs> my cartridges were running out emotionally and in the printer 
and he noted that I had written down under Ice Age Seek Shelter a mini rock revival. I just thought like, it was I cute. I remember what my point was with that. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was I very, very hot press. There was a number of kind of guitar based records this year, which there hasn't been for like a bunch of years, where it felt like something interesting was happening. It wasn't your standard retreads. Are you saying that danger, g- g- guitar music is dead? Is that, is that, is that where you're going? I think they've brought it back. Yeah. <laughs> um, at least in the kind of interesting vampire state. They seem a bit vampiric and they're a really interesting band. I think Beyondless was a great record. This is more mainstream. I think this is them trying to find wider acclaim, but in a really good way because it's a strong set of songs. And yeah, I'm a sucker for, for what they do. Um, like I think Elias Bender Ronenfeld um, has talked about how them always having this kind of high octane sloppiness about them, and you know the tread goes from the Velvets to the Replacements and onwards, and that's all stuff I love. So this kind of alt rock thing with a bit of intelligence and a bit of sexiness at times, and a lot of heart and a lot of great moments. Um, yeah, I was kind of surprised by this. I've always been a bit of a fan, but I think this is them stepping up to another level. And there was moments on the record where you have that thing on your first listen through where you're, where you're like, oh, they've they've actually cracked something really special here. So that's yeah, why I it. there, it's an album of moments and I think it has yeah. some very strong moments. It didn't fully function for me as a fully cohesive listen. Have you tried listening to it with sunglasses inside? No. <laughs> okay. Should I? I don't know. It just seems like that kind of record. I haven't tried it either. But I don't have sunglasses, but I'll, I'll work on this. That is Seek Shelter by Ice Age. Real quick on the subject of John Francis Flynn. A colleague of mine actually caught him at the Ruby Sessions this week and had never didn't had no idea who he was going in and was blown away. Said mm-hmm. it was one of the best live forms he's seen in a very long time. Uh, lastly on this list, I guess, in the middle there, you've got uh, Paranol, um, which is P-A-R-R-A. Double N O U L, and this is an artist I'd never heard of before. They're relatively new. Uh, shout out to Colm Cahillane of House Who Records, who on the 909 Discord put, I think it was him, he put this in there as, for, you know, like album club, where I would give this a go. This is a South Korean shoegaze musician. Um, this is his second album. It's called To See the Next Part of the Dream. Uh, something I did talk about on No Ox Chord before. Um, just this unbelievable record that seemed to come out of nowhere and it garnered acclaim. Um, if you look at like the Bandcamp page for this artist, like I say, they are anonymous. They describe themselves as an active loser, below average in height, appearance and everything else. A stunted adult with singing skills that are, quote, fucking awful. Um, Pitchfork's review, they gave it 8.0 says, the only subjective fact about this artist is that they're a student writing music in a sole bedroom. Despite the internet's endless possibilities for personal reinvention, Paranol is not is an alias, not an alter ego. To see the next part of the dream is not an antidote to its creator's paralyzing misery, but it's a monument that honours its enormity. Um, if that feeling scans as melodramatic, the record ensures it's every bit as overwhelming as they say it is. And honestly, in a, in a year that had, what you could probably include the Ice Age album, you could definitely include the Mogwai album, you could include other ones too, in a year in which I thought guitar music was quite strong, this stood out on its own. Um, it has layers of emotion. It does often feel like it's washing over you. It feels like you're on a bullet train. Uh, it really stood out to me as a visual experience, as a colourful experience. And I think it's fucking incredible, especially from someone I'd never heard of until I threw it on. And I was like, what is this? I want more. But I want more albums, guys. And so we'll move on to the next set. Let's have it. <laughs> Jazzy, they sit you down to school, you want Selassie Tell them you're not in without a woman, no Woman to woman, I just want to see you glow Tell them what's up
you gon' up. Tell you better bust. Been and see who really wanna us. Really spilling blood. Everybody tough. Today gotta go and see the judge. Nigga better hush. Remember growing up. All I wanted was to be a thug. Wanted me a plug. To get a little bread. Shoot a couple niggas in the. I have a love. And it never fades. From red garden sheds to watching lads on steads knocking heads. From the two by two fuck you punk stage to a warehouse rave with a bloke we met on the way dancing till day. And breathe. We have 15 down to 11 there in our best albums of 2021. Number 15 was Little Sims with Sometimes I Might Be Introvert. Number 14, Sufjan Stevens and Angelo D'Augustine with A Beginner's Mind. Number 13 on the list is Megabog, Life and Another. Number 12, Vince Staples with his self-titled album. And number 11, the last one you heard there was For Those I Love, also with his self-titled album. I guess we'll start there. I wonder, Craig, if, given that this album was initially released two years ago, went away, came back officially, finally came out in March, I think, of this year. Mm Mm-hmm. I wonder, you know, for me, like, it's a top five record. But it's been I, hard done by just due to the release schedule. For I sure. think yeah, so. Yeah, I like. I think it's, you know, it's. I wouldn't say completely faded or whatever. And obviously he had those recent gigs and I went to the Olympia one. It was amazing. But I do think that for Irish people who were in on the ground floor, it has naturally not lost power, but like, and even because like, even like last year, I was like, well, this is the number one album of the year, but it isn't my number one album of this year. Yeah. I was the same boat where I would have added extremely high last year and like then it went away and came back and then this year I didn't include it just because been absorbing it for so long but I don't know if there's really a huge amount more we can say or you know yeah no I mean like it's ultimately just a masterpiece yeah it <laughs> is given. it's absolutely yeah. incredible and I, I wonder is um is the Vince Staples album a masterpiece because this record I love it I think it's fucking amazing and I think we heard one of the better cuts off it there as well in yeah. are, you, are You With That but but there was a weird narrative around this one from some of the critics that Vince Staples isn't quote unquote fun anymore well it's the, the mood at times can be quite dour it's quite a grey record it's very singular um, and it seems to be him I think if we talk about like an artist you know setting out with a clear goal in mind and trying to achieve that he completely nailed it Um, I think it's very it's very him it's concise the message is strong it's contained I think at times you have to be in the right frame of mind to listen to this record definitely Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. and I haven't gone back to it a huge amount but when Mm -hmm. I do I kind of psych myself up for it and I'm hugely impressed it's only 22 minutes long yeah Yeah, I know but it's just it kind of takes a lot out of you in a good way of course it doesn't it it weirdly kind of it doesn't feel like a 22 minute long album it feels a lot longer just because it is so accomplished in what it um in what it uh, gives to the listener. Um, I really enjoyed sitting down with that record a lot, I have to say. Yeah. I think it showcases new depth from him, uh, while also tying back nicely to his debut, Summertime 06, the double album. And also, look, Vince Abel can give you quick fire bangers, but, you know, he has so much substance and I don't believe for a second that this is a throwaway record as some people were kind of almost accusing him of and he was kind of responding to detractors on Twitter at the time. I think it's an album that will age very well and I think as an artist he is maturing greatly. I've said before that I think the guy can do literally anything and yeah, of course I want like a more you know, maybe a quote-unquote good time, but also I respect this artist so much. Whatever he does, I'm generally on board for. And I thought it was a lot more, like, compelling and has a lot more place in his canon than the previous record, FM, that he put out. So I was very glad to see this make the list. Craig, what's next? Um, Yeah, so I think I'll spotlight Sufjan Stevens and Angelo de Augustine just because it took me a long time to get to Sufjan. Um, We had The Ascension, 
um, last year. Which I loved. I adored it. I think some of the, the critical notices around it were that it was something hugely different. People were felt it was a bit cold. Um, a bit so, balearic, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Zara, do you want to chime in with your feelings on where Sufjan was at in, t- in your headspace coming yeah. into this year, maybe? Sufjan is such a, a, a strange one because sometimes I do really like his music um, and then other times I just fi- find him to be quite dour. Um, I remember last year we had the Ascension. I think was in our top five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think I got kind of spicy about that. A little bit, yeah. Um, that did happen. That might have been the three beers though. That album, the Ascension. I never returned to it actually after that episode. This album, though, um, a beginner's mind. I was pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed it. Actually, yeah. um, I love how there are kind of sedate moments to it it's it can be quite sparse and very spacious but then you have like a song say like you give death a bad name which just when he turns up the wooziness and the weird that's when I think he is at his best because there's in that song in particular the guitar tones on that are just phenomenal um just like the real high pitch kind of almost drunk sounding plucks that um, so nicely contrast with his like obviously very distinct breathy and um, sombre vocal. Um, It's one actually that I have listened to a lot in work um, because it creates quite a nice atmosphere. It's very pleasant but then it does have those moments where it's not it's not boring I wouldn't say and I would tend to think a lot of his music is quite boring from start to finish <laughs> oh my god <laughs> sorry <laughs> I know he's your boy um, but yeah no this had enough that my ears would kind of prick up and be like oh this is really interesting or oh this is a nice twist and turn and maybe it is um, Angelo's kind of collaboration with they him do, yeah they work I, really well yeah they work really well together Angelo D'Augustine who is on Asthmatic uh, Kitten and um, yeah Californian artist I believe I didn't know a huge amount about them up until this record A Beginner's Mind I think yeah the reason I, I took a while to get to it was because so many people the narrative was oh it's back to vintage Sufjan finally we've been waiting for this record for years and I kind of kicked against that because I was like well he's just delivered a masterpiece so then when I finally put it on I was like yeah, it kind of is vintage Sufjan <laughs> oh these songs are one of his strongest collections of songs so if you've been in the same boat as me maybe go check it's time to check it out it's mm. really really strong another strong collection of songs I think was the little Sims album. I thought um, this would end up in the top five. Really? Yeah. yeah. Hey, right. I don't Whoa. actually. <laughs> take a minute. We'll regroup. Let's all just reset. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> just because when it, when it first landed, um, it seemed like it was a big moment again to use that word. Um, very accomplished. It had mm. all the hallmarks of like a masterpiece. I thought this is a voice that we're going to be speaking about for years to come, and it just felt I could envisage us getting to the end of this episode and being like oh yeah I feel like that little Sims thing is just maybe the best of the year I, just, I don't know it just has it checks so many boxes right yeah absolutely and it's it's such a while it's such a down to earth like real down to earth stories um, and very like on the ground stories she presents it in such a theatrical and such a massive um, way there's like a huge kind of orchestration to this album it's so lush she also has Emma Corrin aka Princess Diana um, 
kind of interspersed throughout with these like interludes those moments didn't always work for me yeah the interludes are a bit on the nose yeah, yeah I really didn't enjoy those I found that I skipped them a lot um, but there are some incredible songs in it like Rolling Stone that, that song is um, one that I've listened to quite a lot I love the, the dy- dynamism is that a word? Dynamism? yeah it is now yeah, it is uh, I love the dynamism of that song. Woman is great. Uh, Standing Ovation is good. Lil Sims's delivery, I think, is also just flawless across that album. And just her lyrics. I think she's an incredible wordsmith. And again, someone that I really enjoyed getting to know through this album. It's quite clearly a great record, but it was one of those ones for me where I just found myself struggling to spend time with it. Like, it, like it just didn't, it just didn't have as much. I think of a shelf life with me as a lot of the other records I did end up listening to this year mm-hmm. and I do regret that now um, even coming into this when I was like oh yeah I was like I can completely see Craig's argument um, yeah. and I think even like she's having this moment she played I think the Academy in mm-hmm. Dublin there about a week or two ago and by all accounts anyone who went to it was like well this is a moment this is you're never going to see her in a venue like this again it's going to be bigger 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 stages from now on and seems to be an amazing personality but it's just it's an album that I don't have enough confidence in in terms of my own listening relationship with it, that I couldn't, I couldn't make the case for it That's to be fair, yeah. album of the year. I, I know it's it's definitely an album of the year, and I'm mm. delighted it's here. But like, I just couldn't be like, it just didn't, it didn't break through with me to that level. Which I'm just kind of like, ah, oh, well, maybe, maybe, maybe next year. Who Did knows? You have confidence in the Megabog album. Well, this is the thing. I mean, Megabog is an artist that has the distinction of making both our songs and our albums. This, Sarah. I know. Are you surprised? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> um, um, no, I'm not surprised. Um, I absolutely adore this album. Again, uh, we were talking about um, Megan, or Megan, Aaron Ker- uh, Berge in the Songs of the Year. Um, I just love Megabog. Uh, Life in Another as well is an album that blew my socks off from my first listen to it back when it came out. Um, I just love the avant pop kind of nature to this. Again, it's very untethered to an era. There's times where it's very 70s. Um, there's times where it's a bit 90s. And one thing that I really loved about this um, album when I was like reading about it initially was that she was uh, recording it in like a really remote cabin that she lived in but also was inspired by the Vim Vendors film Until the End of the World um, which I had seen being credited as a kind of influence for uh, Destroyers Have We Met? met, Yeah, yeah, Have We Met Um, So I was like, okay, these are two artists that I really love I'm going to sit down now and watch all five hours of Until the End of the World. And it was purely based on this album. And I think that the album as well, just sonically, it captures really perfectly a very kind of sparse and apocalyptic landscape, which I loved kind of getting stuck into and lost in. Um, And again, I just love her voice so much. So, yeah. Just a recap there for you, listener, as we move into the next section. Number 15 was Little Sims. Number 14, Sufjan Stevens and Angelo D'Augustine. Number 13 was Megabog. 12, Vince Staples. And 11, for those I love. Adam, can you take us into 10 to 6, which I think is quite a heavyweight lineup? Watch a couple indie movies that you never heard of Listen to bands, we when we dance Disco in France, social perfume Head in the wind, we can switch off I can show you how you can really exfoliate skin If you got a man, you should... 
It isn't something you can speak to me. It isn't coming in How you doing, listener? Are you okay? I hope everyone's... Yeah, I mean... I've given a warning to turn down people's uh, speakers. Yeah, maybe I'll go back and add one in. But essentially, um, yeah, a lot going on there. I mean, Jesus Christ. And like Zara said, and I quote, the Dave Hanratty power hour when that ended. Let's go through it. 10 to 6. Uh, the first thing you heard there was Turnstile and the album Glow On. Then you had Tyler, the creator, Call Me If You Get Lost at number 9. Low and Hey Watt at number eight, which really fucking ramped so up the. <laughs> it's so intense. Tyler was really soothing the brow there, wasn't he? <laughs> and then he got then he. <laughs> uh, and that changed though. Yeah, Low at number eight with Hey Watt. Number seven, Deaf Heaven and Infinite Granite. And then once again, The Armed are back in this mix. They're at number six with Ultra Pop. And yeah, Jesus, a barrage. I mean, like I might as well just lay my cards on the table here and say that this collection of five albums has my top three of the year. Well, Wow. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Uh, including Death Heaven Infinite Granite, which is my album of 2021. Oh, that oh. is surprising to me. And I am devastated that it's not in the top five. Honestly, I thought it would be. I knew you liked it, Craig, but yeah, it is. I do. I do. It is the album this year the most that I just connected to the most uh, to, to such a degree that I was like yeah it, 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 there's no other thing I love the Armed album I love it's a turnstile by the way or like a kind of a pop punk hardcore band that like I'd never heard of this is their fourth record I think I think Kev Lefty used to be in Red Enemy sent it to me Pitchfork gave it best new music mm. and the more I listened to it the more I was so charmed by it Blood Orange is on the record as well like it's very like fast paced versatile yeah. uh, I'm really into it the Armed album, like I talked a lot about The Armed on the last episode, I, I think it's a great work. I think it's a great record from start to finish. I think it is challenging at times in a way that can be a bit frustrating. I understand where Craig where Craig's coming from with some of the sonic choices that are made on it, but it's a record that stayed with me all year and I was so attracted to its energy. But Death Heaven, um, this kind of fucking, you know, hardcore band that had been around for years, who made a masterpiece in Sunbather back in 2013, I think, um, here, here, yeah, agreed. I have released a few records since, including um, was it Ordinary Corrupt Human Love, I think, which they've kind of been flirting with going new romantic for quite some time. And the whole marketing hook, I suppose, if you want to put on it off this album, Infinite Granite, was that their vocalist, um, George Clark, um, essentially mostly like 99% dropped his kind of witch-like screaming, which I know Higgs, uh, my beloved you know, popcorn co-host, can't get into this band because he hates the vocals. And I was like, oh, well, you might like this one because he's not really doing that. I don't know if Higgs did like it, but I absolutely love it. Um, I was just like, I talk all the time on this show about having a physical reaction to a record. And I also find it hard to put that into words really beyond that. But Infinite Granite is an album that I can see. And now don't ask me what I'm seeing because I wouldn't even be able to tell you because like, that's, that's as far as I can go with my descriptive bridge here. But I was just so excited by it more and more and more going back to it I, I, I fell in love with this album from start to finish I think it's a beautiful masterpiece I think it it, it conjures up so much possibility 
Uh, it makes me feel good about life. Uh, it makes me feel good about the world. And I think even on a surface level, the musicianship is incredible. The drumming, the guitar, like, like, like it's just... It's it's a magic spell, and I was so so into it, and I really thought it would make the top five. Uh, they've sold out. Well, some people have. Some people have. Yeah, some some really har- is that well, some long term fans apparently have turned on them, and it's just like they're oh, like ridiculous. Yeah. Clearly, was where the songs were bringing them, and it works yeah. for me. Um, pockets, <laughs> I would say, <laughs> like you know, passages where it's great, massive color, and so propulsive, amazing. Then into like that Blade Runner kind of rain scene of Neptune raining diamonds. I'm just like, yeah, I know what you mean about being able to see it. Cinematic, to use that word, that's just awful mm. to use about music. But yeah. um, I enjoyed it very much. It wouldn't have been that high for me, but I can totally see why people would fall for it and just get totally wrapped up in it. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by it. I stuck it on uh, one morning heading into work and um, I quite appreciated the pitch tone vocal. I don't really like to be yelled or screamed at too much with my music or in any strand of life. Um, I was really surprised and taken by, and this could actually just be me, um, how kind of shoegazy and 90s it felt at times uh, in Blur funnily enough in particular really made me think of that I really loved that song it also at times it very like very rare jeez it also kind of sometimes reminded me of the Verve's first album oh yeah that's a good show sometimes yeah. um, A Storm in Heaven um, so I really liked it from that kind of perspective that it brought me to other kind of uh, times and genres that I really like. Are you saying it's part of a mini rock revival? Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say that. Well, hang on. You might, Craig. Might, yeah. yeah. Uh, pockets, really. I, I, I thought you liked the Death Heaven album a bit more than that. Um, no, I actually, I like it uniformly, but there was pockets of moments where I was just like, this is A-tier stuff. Like, I'm actually... I'm having a moment here um, and kind of like we ever run braces of I don't think I took a, I must have taken it running because only so many hours a day getting through the albums you know um, little running partner I must have taken it running <laughs> <laughs> I remember when we were reviewing Blonde by Frank Ocean when it first came out going for a run first listen to Blonde no drums on that album I was fucking nearly screaming at Frank just could not get into it whatsoever good album though decent yeah I've heard heard good things Um, Zara you mentioned like you know you don't like to be screamed at in your music but like not necessarily screaming but low and hey what I think it challenges the listeners uh, capacity I suppose yeah it's definitely one that commands you and it demands your attention for sure but I think that it they're not bossy in that regard um I think as a listener for me anyway they do challenge you they have absolutely batshit distortion and like soundscape sometimes that are just like this could be the worst thing that you could listen to on a on any day but just the way they deliver it I think is just phenomenal because they make those kind of unconventional um, choices in their arrangements that work so perfectly. Um, so like the distortion and stuff. I mean, you have like songs like White Horses in particular on this, which is just, again, to say a beast of a song. Um, and I also just think that the older that they seem to be getting, especially Alan Sparhawk, I think his vocals on this are just really velvety at sometimes they really really work for me um 
there's also just something very sincere and masterful and just out of this world um, genius, I think. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think even more of an accomplishment when you consider that Lowe had such a, an amazing first part of their career and yeah. were so established in that kind of slow core, I guess, genre and just respected seasoned veterans. And it kind of plateaued a bit. There was a few albums where it was just like, it's always going to get good reviews. People probably aren't getting too excited by it. They're not really stretching themselves. And then suddenly mm. double negative and now this, which builds on it again, where they're just pushing the sound so much yeah. and clearly are wrapped up in it themselves. And it's like, oh, wow, this is an amazing act too. So, yeah. I think uh, I think double negative is a masterpiece yeah. and yeah, it has taken a while for me to get closer to unlocking hey uh, hey what but it's it's happening I'm getting there mm. and I'm I'm just incredible I'm always so impressed by their creativity and yeah. their just imagination and their uh, willingness to push the sonic boundaries mm. did Tyler the Crater push sonic boundaries on Call Me If You Get Lost Craig he kind of was back in his comfort zone in a really deliberate good way I think because it was that mixtape vibe he was going for he was paying his respects to some of his early influences um, I think it is his third classic in a row I think his command production wise and vocally is so high at the moment uh, it's ridiculous I will say like Igor probably stands out a little bit more just as a work of art because there was more tension there he was doing the art pop thing like trying to be you know prime Michael Jackson but also doing something a bit avant-garde at times and a bit distorted whereas this is like this is one maybe for the rap heads a bit more so it's probably a more limited audience in that regard and he's in a good place so mm. there isn't that tension lyrically it's like a victory lap do you know what I mean yeah I think Igor is a masterpiece and I like this record quite a lot I wanted to love it and I didn't get there and I found on revisits that I was getting I was getting tired with it before it was over I think it it kind of just dragged a bit for me and it is very long it, it feels yeah, long, it felt baggy, sometimes. and like it's clearly brilliant. He's clearly amazing, mm. but I just I couldn't fully connect with him. It, it's very uh, it's very overwhelming, and it's very kind of like not grim, but it is caustic, and like you'd feel like you're kind of trapped in a car with him for two hours. And there's like, that track Will Shiria where he's talking about his relationship yeah. woes, and it's you know it's uncomfortable. Like it's, yeah. yeah, yeah, and I and I, even like if you, like I listen to my music in in ears, and like the panning on that one oh, drives yeah. me fucking insane and I understand it's an artistic statement but it was an artistic statement too far for me but and speaking of uh, statements and artists it's the top five oh. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen now to be honest uh, I don't think we're actually yeah, going to get out of this room I, I think this is going to be this This could very well be tricky and difficult it's going to be worse than last year I think. Uh, it won't be worse than last year don't worry about that it'll be fine <laughs> but we're going to move into the top five now so uh, sorry just a, a quick recap again because like we're not going to make a playlist with the albums or maybe, maybe we will but I don't know how we'll do that but that was number 10 Turnstile Glow On I'd highly recommend people check out that album if they never have heard of that band before because much like me it was a great new discovery this year number 9 was Tyler the Creator and Call Me if you get lost number eight was hey what by low number seven was dave hanratty's album of the year infinite granite by deaf heaven and number six was the armed and ultra pop and i do apologize if that supercut uh, proved to be quite frightening because you know it's very very intense so <laughs> this is what we do um adam shanahan will now queue up one by one in alphabetical order our top five of the year and we'll decide how it should play out adam please take it away for the very very start It'll be okay, I just need to be weird and hide for a bit and 
That is Dry Cleaning, and the album is New Long Leg. Next up. The artist there is Japanese Breakfast, and the album in question is Jubilee. Can I have the next one, please, Adam? Life can be training on. Hey, relate, try and keep falling on. I'm ashamed, hated what I would see, and nobody knows. So I go. Guys, you, you know, you know, in any other year, that song "Moon" could be could be our song of the year. But uh, but <laughs> it's it the, the album, of course, is "Donda" by Kanye West. Can I have the next one, please, Adam? Just makes you crazier. It's Nick Cave and Warren Ellis, and the album is Carnage. And now, finally, in alphabetical order, in our top five is this. He's always dimming the light switch. It's William Doyle, and the album is Great Spans of Muddy Time. So to recap for you, listener, our top five, Dry Cleaning, New Long Leg, Japanese Breakfast and Jubilee, Kanye West and Donda, Nick Cave and Warren Ellis with Carnage, and William Doyle, the former East India youth, with great spans of muddy time. I think that's a very good top five. Uh, it is. Doyle yeah, at number one. Well done, I guys. think we're all done there, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is a very good top five. I was surprised by it when it came up um, in the list. I was like, Jesus. I was like, I thought, because again, I was so sure Death Heaven would okay. be in there. And, uh, for a brief <laughs> second, okay. for a brief second, it looked like the Armed might be. Obviously, Craig thought Little Sims would be here. But like, what we have is a very interesting list. And... I like what's what stood out as a big surprise for you, Dave. Maybe um, way in. I guess dry cleaning because okay. I have struggled with this album a lot, um, and I know that people love it. And I guess like, I'm happy to report that in the two weeks since we have you know known what we were doing with these lists, it's forced me to go back to an album that I previously dismissed, and I like it a lot more than I oh, wow. than Ooh. I than I did earlier in the year, uh, quite a lot more. But 
I initially was very resistant to it. I was kind of allergic to it. I was like, this is so tragically hip. This is so hipster knowing. This is just like, it's, ugh, there's one song where like the repeated refrain of like, you are, I was like, I want to throw my fucking oh, headphones out the window. But it, I, I think I understand it a lot more than I did at the time, but I really did run a mile from it. And I know that people love this album, but it's taken me a long time to even be able to tolerate it, but I now do like it quite a bit. Okay, that's good. <laughs> Turn around. I mean, it is an album that arrives at a time when the spoken word o- over kind of indie rock thing is having a moment. <laughs> Very popular. And it's certainly starting to grate on me in many regards. But I think dry cleaning are the standard bearers doing something quite different and I think it all comes down to Florence Shaw I think she's hugely charismatic without having to do too much Mm. she can keep things monotone and sometimes aloof um, but there's a knowingness there Um, there's like a really winning kind of ironic detachment and great wit like Mm. I think it is genuinely funny at times which saves it it's the kind of thing that over the course of a record on paper you could look at and go like this is going to really great on me Mm. and it actually has huge replay value for me, yeah. um, which I was surprised by first go round in terms of reviewing it and I've gone back to it. So I think they've done something quite special. I think she is a, a really special artist. She just has a very, very unique voice. Um, and the band, I guess, are probably slightly slept on. I think, you know, some of the riffs are great. There's a winding, flexible, um, dexterous nature to their playing that I think is a cut above... You know, at first blush, it seems like your standard indie rock thing or maybe mimicking Joy Division or The Fall. And actually, I think they, they you know, set themselves apart on a number of tracks on Smart Lady, just kind mm. of bringing in that psychedelic thing. There's moments where you're like, OK, musically, aside from the lyrical thematic stuff going on, this, you know, is a, is a top tour album. Yeah, big time. Um, I remember reviewing this with you, Craig, yeah. uh, back when it came out. And I remember that week just obviously listening to a lot and just falling more and more in love with it with each listen. Uh, I never grew tired of it, as we've talked uh, kind of extensively just about how incredible Florence uh, Shaw is. I love her voice. I love her presence. Just the one thing I love about them as well is that like they're really funny songs. It's spoken word. Um, it's uh, it's within a very kind of of the now sound and style, but they don't they don't come across as taking themselves too seriously as well, which I really appreciate. Um, the more I listened to this, the more I enjoyed it. The more I really just felt like. I wanted to be friends with, like I wanted to go to the pub with them yeah. kind of thing. Um, just because the turns of phrase are so colloquial, which I think is such a strength for it. There's no pretension at all, I don't think, in the lyricism. That's what threw me off first. On my initial listens back, uh, listens? <laughs> uh, listens back in the day, Ronan Keaton over here. I um, I did find it, pretentious and I, that's why I said tragically hip it just reminded me of bands like sports team or something where I was oh. like I feel like there's a joke here but I guess like I say with repeated listens recently focused listening I was like oh no actually no this is good this mm. is like intelligent like I felt like a lot of the time listening to the songs that I was just getting a very um honest and just very um raw reading from Florence Shaw of like her notebook like she went for a coffee or something or she was at home and was like scribbling down thoughts or 
um, ideas and I feel like these just kind of those kind of thoughts and ideas are represented really perfectly in the song because they're so unvarnished Um, they're so relatable as well like I really saw a lot of myself and other people that I know in the songs which was also something that I really liked about it Um. Yeah, and it's I'd say it's my most listened to album for well, this year. Yeah, Dave, to your point about um, some of the lines grading first go around. I remember when Scratch Card Lanyard was being played quite a lot on Six Music during the daytime as I'd be working. And when it was just background noise, some of her kind of punchlines in that song are just some of the images. I was like, this seems a bit like too smart for its own good. Or it's like, what's the joke there? Like the thing about the Twix. But then when you get the overall narrative and you spend time with the record and the actual kind of you know, the stories within it, it's like, oh no, there's actual context and real humanity and mm. real kind of, you know, she can be self-deprecating at times. It's not just gag, 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 ironic detachment. Um, and that takes a few listens to get into. But I think that probably then adds to the replay value. So, yeah. Well, let me ask you, I mean, like maybe this isn't even a fair question or one that even the band couldn't answer, but like, what is the mission statement with this band? And like, how sustainable is this style over, say, further albums yeah I don't know I kind of posed that question when we reviewed it because like mm. I think they did a great job of sustaining it over this album and it works mm. really well as a piece but I don't know kind of musically where they go I guess that depends on how creative they can be mm. um, I certainly want to hear more from her yeah. I don't know if it's that linear rock thing that could outstay its welcome yeah um, but yeah maybe it's a bit more one-dimensional just musically than some of the other ones in the top five I might say I don't know it's you know you have to be in a certain mindset to really soak it up well on that note uh, what kind of year has it been for Japanese breakfast do we think I think it's been a pretty breakthrough year Um, I've always been a bit of a fan of Japanese breakfast Um, it's a relationship with an artist that has kind of slowly evolved for me Um, I really liked her debut Psychopomp um, the last album as well was really good. Uh, so I was, re- yeah, for an artist that I was like kind of passively fond of, I was really excited for Jubilee for some reason. And I think that was just from the like early indications. Um, obviously, she has talked quite extensively about how a lot of her previous work has been dealing with her grief about her mom dying. And she had said kind of um, before Jubilee came out that she had, you know, written about grief so extensively and now she wanted to make a record that was really joyous. And I think that that is exact. There's no other word, I think, for um, for this record. It's extremely buoyant. It's um, really bright. There are still moments of kind of sadness in there for sure. But I think she's a really interesting person. Yeah. I love listening to interviews with her. I really actually want to read her memoir, Crying in Hmart, um, which again kind of deals with her mom um, dying and her coming to terms with that. And I love her vocals. I just I love how how much of a departure this was from the kind of of that time sound that she was cultivating with her previous work. I love how brave this sounds. Um, yeah, what did you guys think? It of feels it? like a very determined album. Yeah, I, yeah I for sure. The more I listened to it, the more I was like, "Oh, I'm listening to a genuine statement here." There's a real sense of the person, mm. and a real sense of life experience. And life experience in, in music is something I always love. I always love when you can, like, you, when you feel like you're getting to know the person. Because I'm not, I, I don't have a huge history or relationship with Japanese Breakfast, and it's another album this year that kind of not fell through the cracks, but like, it didn't fully 
I, I mean, like, it's one of those things where, like, the the curse of doing a music podcast. Oh no! But like, you're like, I can't. You can't keep up with everything, and some some things will just naturally hit with you. And for example, like, it's funny because like you were saying a minute ago that you listen to six music while you work, and I was like, I why am I not doing that? I was like, surely, like, maybe I would have had a different like pathway this year with say the dry cleaning record or even Jubilee here by Japanese Breakfast, where like. I, I tend to have to find the time and make the time and I wasn't reviewing either of these records on the show so they didn't they were always on my radar but I found it hard to tune into them and thus something that I something I do love about the way that we do the end of year stuff is that like it gives me the opportunity to kind of drill down into stuff that otherwise I may well have just completely mm-hmm. missed and gone into next year and been like oh yeah whatever and I think this is a fucking great album yeah. and I've really loved spending time with it over the last fortnight or so um, I wonder though is it a little lightweight? Oh, I don't know. Musically, mm. I wouldn't say so. No, I mean, I there's a the so kitchen either. sink approach at times. That, like, you know, just the fanfare. Listening to Paprika there kind of it heralds his grand song, yeah. arrival. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's ambitious at times. It's a really strong set of songs. It felt to me like it is everything you want in like a third album from that kind of artist where... I'm going back to a vampire weekend, modern vampires of the city, when you're listening through it and you just go, okay, they've reached a new place in their career and they're equipped with the ability to really execute a kind of master plan of a record and it's exactly what they want to accomplish with it. And I think Michelle Zahner totally does it here. Mm. Um, she's masterful. Like, I, I adore her voice. I think her mm. voice is quite limited but she knows her voice so well that she uses that and turns it into a positive and it's almost like it's like a Billy Corgan thing for me where it's just like it fits so well Mm. she's a great kind of world builder Um, I think in Be Sweet you've got one of the most immediate uplifting pop songs of the year and there's not many songs on the record that sound like that I mean there's a huge variety of styles Uh, she pulls it off so well Um, there's shoegazy stuff sit there's heartbreaking moments I think there was great depth here I think as a set of songs it might be one of the strongest just where every time I go back I'm like I'm enjoying this listen yeah. this is perking me up it's it's almost like the Strokes thing last year where it's just like for sheer replay value for me I think I go to this a lot um, when I just need something to kind of keep me ticking over mm-hmm. and doing that job really nicely those albums are important as well, yeah. especially like getting through your like this and work. I'm, I'm, I, I hate when I'm sitting there and I'm and I'm bored of my on repeat playlist or something, and I'm like, yeah. what album will I listen to? And yeah, like, like that's that's a really good point. Um, we're a few months removed from Donda and its release. I wonder <laughs> that conversation area. I wonder. Well, we're going alphabetically. Um, I wonder oh, if goodness. it has helped or hindered the record. But also, we did an entire episode on this, Craig. It was you and me, so I think we should give Zara the yeah. first shot here because I, I would love to hear about your relationship with this album from, you know, it, it arriving on a Sunday afternoon and realizing it. Oh my God, it's two hours. It's almost two hours long, and all the narrative, all the discourse, everything mm-hmm. up until this moment. Where are you at with this album? Uh, it's a mess. Uh, I don't think it should be an album of the year for a number of reasons. One of those is just when I sit down to listen to this, I don't sit down or I don't listen to the full one hour 48. I find that to be challenging in the bad sense. Um, He doesn't hold on to me for enough of it. There's only really a pocket of songs to go back to our word of the day. Uh, There's only really a a handful of songs um, that I go to when I do want to listen to Donda um, they would be say Hurricane 
believe what I say is amazing, especially the use of the Lauren Hill sample. Remote control, I think, has um, great personality to it. Uh, I think it also offers some kind of really interesting um, contrast to, for the overall sound of the record. Moon, obviously, would be one of my songs of the year. I think that song is just heartbreakingly beautiful. I thought the whole narrative that surrounded the album obviously was a massive distraction to the music for a lot of it. Um, Obviously, it's very unfortunate, some of the choices that he made for some of the people that are on it. That does obviously leave a kind of weird taste in your mouth listening to this record and his kind of um, reasoning behind it. It just seems to me like... I don't even want to say overindulgent because there's not really there's not really a lot to indulge in this record, I don't think. Um there are, as I said, great moments, but I think a lot of it is just bloat. Um and I think it's just I think it's just Kanye just kind of losing the run of himself a bit. So I if I may, um, I would agree with quite a bit of that. Most, of it. <laughs> like uh, some of it. Um, it's a mess, without question. It's a challenge. It's even to talk about it, it's a mm. challenging yeah. album. Yeah, well, you know, you've heard us do it for like an hour and twenty or whatever it was, yeah. um, and, and long more after that, it is bloated to hell. Um, and I, I resent it for being that way because not just Craig's amazing cut down version or everyone's kind of own cut down versions, but like there's clearly a great album in here. Like a great Kanye album, a ten track, maybe a masterpiece. I mean, the songs you mentioned, all brilliant. Mm. Uh, I would add, like, obviously Jesus the Lord Part Two. Yeah. I would add, uh, Come to Life. Oh. I adore. And I found it like you know, in putting like my songs here together, I didn't want to overload it with Kanye, but I was like, Come to Life. That bit in Come to Life when he like when he says Ultra Ultra Light Beam, I'm just like, I would run through walls for this guy. With Tyler on the piano, just doing That's a fucking thing. Oh my god, M- yeah. Moon Moon is genuinely like I am that bit in The Simpsons when Homer falls asleep like at the wheel of his car and he imagines himself in this weird kind of floating bed through the fucking stars thing and the no, moon. I think of Homer sitting on his car. Uh, I can't do that, Sarah. No, it hurt, that hurts. Can that, I just that say hurts too much. The journey I've been on with Donda. Right? Right. <laughs> it's my turn. It's, it's my turn to talk, everybody. No, just that little snippet while we're on Moon. Go on. Um, Please. Not to listen, I think I said both of you, and maybe Adam as well, voice notes of Moon, the snippet of Moon, being you like, did. you have to listen to yeah, this. And then on the last listen party, when he took Cuddy off, alongside all of the weirdo guests that were rocked up, but m- most importantly, Cody not being on Moon. Oh, and then it was put back in. Oh, yeah, sorry, Dave, to hijack. But no, no. In fairness, it is it is that kind of a discussion because it's kind of impossible to like. Like, I agree with a lot of what Sarah says here, but I also love that. And I said I resent the fact that it's that it's 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 twenty eight tracks, whatever. But I also love that it exists. I love. I I do love that it's out there in the form it's out there in. And like, I find it very hard to keep track of sometimes. Weirdly enough, though, I have listened to this a fucking lot from start to finish. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, and even like, and again, and going back to it again for for this two weeks, and certainly when it came out, and in a strange way, honestly, there are albums that are thirty minutes, forty minutes that feel longer to yeah. me. Yeah, it, I think it really flows, but also it is it's simply it is too much content. It, it is. I wish it wasn't because like there's just too fucking much happening, mm. and it's like, and that becomes a distraction. It's like uh, another thing I don't like in music, and look. 
I'm not saying don't do this, do whatever you want. You're an artist, but like, I don't like it when an artist releases multiple albums per year because I find it just it like it it just like you know I can't keep track. You know, it's like there's just too much music. There's too much happening. I much I really like it when an artist is streamlined and focused. Like that's my preference. I'm not saying that that's you know the golden rule, but Donda in and of itself is so difficult to parse. It's so difficult to make sense of. And I know, I know that that's probably the point, but I think he did it better on The Life of Pablo, an album of indulgence. Yeah. An album that was his id running wild and mm. it worked perfectly. That Kanye is probably gone, but the moments on this one that make you want to root for him, in spite of, and we talked about it at length, you know, I, I'm the same. I wish Marilyn Manson and Baby and others weren't on here mm. and Chris Brown. It fucking sucks. But I can't give up on the guy either because in between all of the murk and all the mire, you have those songs that we mentioned and they will stay with me forever. And they helped me out massively as well this year. Yeah. Yeah. Same goes for me. And I think that's a point of stress as well. I've listened to this a huge amount. It's been a huge part of my life this year. Mm. I think it's better than Pablo. I think it's his best since Jesus in terms of the solo run. I just think there's more moments of heart and true Kanye. And I also think he's invented something a bit different with this. Like it has a pretty uniform aesthetic of he's doing that gospel Christian music thing, but it's somehow combined with like post-trap. It's like a post-trap Gnostic Bible belt gospel rap album. That's what he's invented. <laughs> I can't believe you got that sentence. Like, that was very I, impressive. I actually just kind of zoned out a little bit. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I'm used I to was, that. I was <laughs> literally. I was, no, no, no. I, I was hanging on every word because I was like, I was hanging on every word because it was also because, 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 boy. because at one point it just became words, and I was like, he's going to trip. The, oh, okay. No, he, he, he just going become to an ultralight beam. <laughs> well, on that note, um, well, I will just say I have to be very careful with this not to review my playlist of it because that's the thing I'm listening to. So I have the, the prima donna thing. I also also extended it to a Donda chop right which is just Zara on your point where you're like there's moments and you love stuff but it's so bloated and I, I'm like agreeing totally with that mm. I now look at what I'm listening to which I think doesn't actually have any bloat and it is one hour and nine minutes long so I'm like well surely that's great but I can't get away from the fact that I think my ordering is slightly better there's more of an art of to it he put out the deluxe where there's like part twos before part ones and it's just I, I don't even I don't even want to go to it like you know yeah, I mean? yeah. Um, also sorry I will say I, I think Craig is right to hone in on his playlist making here because to be fair to Craig one of my favourite albums from this year was the Kid Cudi playlist he made of songs oh, from years you. ago it's wonderful but yeah, I don't know. It, like, it, it's the conversation could continue on for hours and hours. But like, it's just like I love that it's out there. But I have so many problems with it, and I also have so many kind of important moments from it. And like, I thought it was nicely put. Like, it, it has been a huge part of our lives, one way or the other. Um, an album that is extremely heavy, though, as you would expect. Nick Cave and Warren Ellis, the first record. This is Carnage, the first record that they've released together, uh, not under the Bad Seas moniker. What distinction did that bring for you? If <laughs> Are you still in Kanye mode? No, I'm just like, I was done with Donda, but I'm like, now we have to talk about Carnage. <laughs> <laughs> so and there's still one more album after uh, this. It's a really good question um, <laughs> in terms of Warren Ellis and Nick Cave deciding they don't need anyone else. It's just two of them against the world, uh, which I think is quite sweet. It is. And I think it's a you know, further exercise in Nick Cave stripping away everything mm-hmm. that kind of made him and just seeing like, what is actually essential in this, you know, in my artistry? Mm-hmm. Um, and same goes for Warren Ellis. Uh, this is a pretty short record um, following on from Ghostine, which was something that you really had to spend a lot of time with and was quite heavy. Um, and Skeleton Tree, which was just so raw. Um, 
every time I put that on, it's almost like you're being electrocuted. Like, it's just, it's so intense. Whereas this felt like it was taking those stripped back elements and the new direction they're in, that untethered thing, using kind of really beautiful synths, just simple but effective, but bringing some light back in. Bringing in some of the kind of playful brutality of previous Bad Seeds stuff. Mm. Um, very approachable as a record, which I wasn't expecting. I've gone back to it a fair bit. I think um, pe- some people might feel it's slightly slight compared to what's come before. But actually, I think of this era of... That felt necessary though, yeah, didn't it? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, going down the path of Ghostine Ferger. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if there's any coming back from that. Mm. But yeah, no, in terms of what Nick Cave and Warren Ellis have been doing in this era um, I think this is the one I will return to years from now the most I think it's a perfect distillation of what makes them great at the moment yeah I absolutely loved this album um, from the like very first listen I I thought that they while it is very much a Nick Cave and War, Warren Ellis sounding record I thought that they actually also managed to sound very fresh um, very um vibrant as well and it felt in a weird way as well even though it sounded quite fresh it also felt like vintage bad seats too so it had um a myriad of um approaches from their behalf um within this record um i loved the variety in it as well um for me when i was listening to this as well i i felt that it really perfectly and very um easily on their behalf created an atmosphere this to me was like a very dusk and very kind of half-light record for sure it was really uh navy in its palette and with some greys kind of thrown in there um and I just I loved their presence I loved how you know we can hear Nick Cave we can hear his age a lot more in this album Mm. which I really appreciated I liked that he wasn't trying to sound like the Nick Cave of the 1990s that just wouldn't have worked um, I think obviously since Skeleton Tree his artistry has obviously shifted it has a different kind of focus and I really enjoy the the depth of darkness that he delves into um, and there was a song actually Old Time I think is phenomenal it's one of my favourite songs on the album uh, my first listen to it, it reminded me so much of uh, the Suspiria Goblins work, um, which I absolutely loved. So that song in particular has been one that I've really, really loved from this album. Um, one of my like most hated expressions in the world that often pops up on Twitter is when people are like, "Oh, we don't deserve," you know, oh, "we we we really don't deserve Jennifer Aniston," like that kind of shit, you know. But I will say, I don't know if we deserve Warren Ellis and Nick Cave. I think that they are incredibly important people. I think they are incredible uh, elder statesmen of music in their own kind of realm. And I think any time I go to a Nick Cave record, um. There's such a sense of weight going in. It's overwhelming. It can be like, oh, Jesus, like, uh, I got to go to this album now. But once you're in it, like, once you actually commit to it and fall into its world, 
uh, it takes you over like few others do. And this album blew me away back earlier in the year. And I was like, this is an easy nine out of 10. This is like, yeah. mm-hmm. def- I think we said at the time, I was like, this is going to be in the top five. Like I was like, this is going to be, I imagined this conversation. I, I was like, it's going to be in the, in, in the conversation for albums of the year. Cause it, it, it couldn't not be, it's, it's wonderful. And um, I think you guys, touched on a lot of stuff there and caught a lot of true things about this and about them and about their relationship that like I found very moving to even listen to you guys talk about there because it's like I was flashing back to that documentary that Andrew Dominic made oh, yeah. um, around the time of Skeleton Tree uh, which is an amazing watch um, and I remember there's moments in that film when Warren Ellis is like I'm actually feeling emotional now just like thinking when Warren Ellis is like there for him in a way that like only a best friend could be mm. and I just I find their relationship both fascinating mm. and just so life like again affirming there's just like uh, it might have been Carlo Malaco who said that he was like you know or, or maybe someone does say in that range but like it's like if only we could all have a friend like Warren Ellis if mm. only we, we could all have someone there for us that way because mm. he like he clearly sees it as his job to protect everything about his best friend and what mm. they do together and that's why I love that this record is under their names that way Yeah, and yes, I've been such yeah. a fan of their music of their film work for like their score work for so long I mean I've said that like the assassination of Jesse James oh. by the character Robert Ford is the best film I've seen since 2007 I haven't seen a better film and the music in that film is just unbelievably beautiful and perfect and in that as well I've said this before but like the, f- the song that closes its song for Bob which is the song for Bob like the coward for them to be able to find that la- layer of empathy for you know figures that were written about hundreds of years ago but still find the humanity in these kind of larger than life fables and these villains they are modern day western figures there's a reason why Nick Cave pops up in, in, in these kind of movies and scores stuff like this and I think music is is so much better for having them around I don't throw this album on lightly I don't throw it on every other week I don't throw on any of their music lightly that way and I've never even seen them live and I, and I don't know enough of them I'm not I couldn't even class myself a proper fan quote unquote but they're alchemists and I think this album is a fucking masterpiece. And what I think as well, especially with Carnage, that really um, stands out to the listener is that obviously Nick Cave and Warren Ellis are supremely talented individually. But I really think that um, the two of them just need each other so desperately. Like they so obviously on this record, so obviously complete each other. And I couldn't, I couldn't imagine either of them without the other mm-hmm. they're kind of like a little Laurel and Hardy or something mm-hmm. like that um, I've seen them I saw them live at Emma and it was to, just even to watch Warren Ellis playing is phenomenal like he's so captivating he's such a cool guy as well like I've <laughs> never seen someone rock a suit Craig no offence no, but I've never seen it, anyone rock a suit <laughs> more like Warren Ellis <laughs> one day I'll never get the facial hair but maybe the suits um, well all, all of this is a really hard act to follow for William Doyle over here with, <laughs> he's up to the task. with great spans of muddy time Craig t- tell us all about this please um, so this is I think in contrast to Carnage this feels very much the work of one man um, there's a lot of isolation in this record um, it comes maybe I think from a place of depression but there's a stillness and a resolve there that is just absolutely beautiful and I think the genesis of this record for him was 
he was working away as he's wont to do as something of a sonic architect himself Adam and uh, he had these pieces kind of nearly good to go or he was working on his latest batch of songs he's quite prolific he puts out a lot of ambient stuff Your Wilderness Revisited his last record was um very ambitious and very well accomplished but for this project he was kind of hard at work his hard drive failed he was he was losing everything and he realised he had the stuff saved to Tascom tape um so it was this kind of analog stuff. It was the only way he could access the music he'd created. He'd put it through that to get a kind of different quality to it that took it away from him. And he realized this was his only connection out to these actual songs. So he made the best of it. And I think it's it makes for this really, really interesting record where he is, I don't know, approaching his own music almost as an outsider. And it takes on this ethereal quality where... I think he realizes the power of what he what he has been achieving with his written work uh, over the past few years. And I think it's the best thing he's done. He's had a lot of promise. I mean, Dave, you know my kind of history of just really liking William Doyle from the East India Youth days. Um, Brian Eno was a fan really early on. I know he was championed by the quietest, sorry, you write for. Um, and they even released some of his stuff yeah. early doors. <gasps> Still only, I think he just turned 30, but... Um, he kind of went away for a while or I think he fell off the radar slightly and I just really hope with this record people check it out because I think he's coming into his own as um, a humongous talent. There's some songs on this that I think are the, some of the absolute best songs of the year um, hands down but then it's also a lot of these uh, soundscapes and experimentations that could feel a bit like oh, I'll just skip to the proper songs but you need them and every time I go mm-hmm. back to it it's just the context it puts the rest of the songs in is astounding to me I'm just it, I find it it's it's absolutely marvellous I find this album to just be a masterclass in production it's yeah. one of the finest produced albums I've listened to in a number of years um, my first listen to it it not literally but it electrocuted me um, from the opening song um, I, I Need Your Love like it's just sublime. Um, I love, I loved how kind of eurythmicsy. Like that opening song is very eurythmicsy, but then there's this like really intense, quite like Radiohead, like techno-y song as well. That like is a bit of a bridge within the album. There's great pop hooks as we heard across this episode and the songs one, and I just I love how normal he is. Um, I love. How- <laughs> I love that he's a really like approachable figure within his in his work. Um, the title of this album, "Great Spans of Muddy Time," it comes from a Monty Don quote, um, where Monty Don, um, legendary gardener, um, he's got lovely dogs. He's great on Instagram. My mother loves him. Um, Monty Don spoke about his experiences of depression in his memoirs, and he described them as great spans of muddy time. So that's where the title comes from. But what I love is just like, even though it's quite difficult subject matter, it's very approachable. You're really rooting for William Doyle. And I think that the kind of um, everydayness, the very um, basic vocal cadence that he has, that also really helps that kind of relatability. Now, obviously, there are moments in this album where his voice sounds fucking incredible. Um but he also just feels like 
oh yeah, my mate William, he released an album and you should check it out. Like that's kind of, I've never met William Doyle in my life. Um, but I feel like he is a friend of mine and I just want everyone to hear this album because I just think it is such a stroke of genius. I think the arrangements on this are phenomenal. It offers up so much variety. Um, and I just think he is such an undersung hero. And Craig, like you were saying, so many songs in this album have just been my songs of the year. I think when you said you're really rooting for William Doyle, I think you nailed it. Like I, I think that's it. It's like he's underdog, outsider, you know, savant, yeah. whatever. And he's been through, like, you know, I saw him like years ago in the Button Factory in a full suit. You know, he's a suit man, Craig. Um, <laughs> he, uh, and it was a disaster of a gig, not no fault of his the crowd were just incredibly obnoxious and he had to like shush them and everything and it was just like oh my god why why are people even here for this if you're not like here for this and that was off the back of his second record which I thought was excellent he obviously dropped the yeast in the youth moniker I believe for sensitivity reasons and cultural appropriation perhaps and like being like I don't feel comfortable it came from the area of London which was like East India that he was kind of based in at the time and he just felt like yeah it had connotations or I think he probably made the sensible decision yeah and and he didn't make a big deal of it no no. it was was a long time ago it was about six years ago now I think yeah and it, and it wasn't like some kind of like you know marketing move because again no. he is an undergroundish artist and yeah. you know yeah more associated like more likely to pop in the quietest than I don't know uh, the sun you know <laughs> but like I think like I, 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 with this album at times I found myself wondering like is it too abstract for its own good and then I thought well that's just a really unfair thing to put at him it doesn't really make sense it doesn't feel like it's trying to be alienating at all it does feel invitational and I kept coming back to this I was like this is definitely and of course this was the victor last year but this is this is his set my heart on fire immediately isn't it this is his perfume genius like masterpiece right this is like it's definitely a very ambitious work from him and I find the ambition in it is really heartwarming because of what he puts out in it um, like there's the song and everything changed but I feel alright um, and just the refrain on that is you can hear it in two different ways he keeps saying to himself but I feel alright I believe and that can either be like someone who's really struggling to have faith in themselves to be like, just to be even like, I feel all right, I believe, like question mark, or else it can be a really defined thing. So I just found that like his real low key, but clearly genius approach to music was just so endearing. And um, like they're simultaneously unconventional, but totally accessible tracks. Like they don't, absolutely, yeah. they don't feel like, you know, Try hard. It doesn't feel like. Oh yeah, and it's not. It doesn't even feel like experimentation. It feels like what genuinely what he needed to get across. Yeah, I think the the Monty Don connection is really interesting. <laughs> yeah, um, because it's a great phrase. But he, he was saying he really got into watching Gardener's World. That's that a great show. during like yeah. lockdown or whatever. <laughs> I've seen it. And um, <laughs> like I can imagine his approach to music making is like you know some kind of landscaping. Nice, yeah, English yeah. guy kind of like, are working on his like allotment or something. Do you know what I mean? There is that yeah. thing of like I think he even has on his Twitter. He, he, like he says he makes like song gardens or something. He's got like a little ducks. But you used the phrase earlier about about different artists like this is world building like and yeah. and it's amazing to inhabit those worlds um inhabiting these albums guys oh. <laughs> jesus christ like not easy to try and uh find a, an order here I and think donda is five i think donda is five yeah 
No, I think the points made about And I'm saying that as someone who more problems than any of the other And I'm saying that as someone who like rejected the dry cleaning album earlier this year, likes the Japanese oh. breakfast album, but did have but did ha- and, and like I have an emotional connection to Donda, but I think from a from a critical fucking you know no, consensus POV, it's like well, I, I, I I'm I'm fine with Donda at five. It kind of makes sense to me at five because it's 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 on the outskirts of being a fucking perfect record, and through a lot of um, decision making, it, it 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 does muddy its own waters that way. But then again, there are. There are there are lifers here, you know. It's, it's more a top ten than top five, I think. For oh you, f- no! For you. <laughs> well, well, it, it, in my own personal top ten of the year, it, it is in my top ten and not in my top five. So you know. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's just it's so the resignation. It's, I know, yeah, I <laughs> you know, it's agree. kind of infuriating because it's like the best stuff on Donda is like to me kind of leagues above like a dry cleaning record for me as well yeah of Jupiter, you know what I mean yeah, but yeah. It's, it's you know Kanye did it to himself but you can't so you can't just say one quarter of an album I 100% yeah, agree yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah. five you have, is fine you, yeah you have to judge yeah. the work yeah. and the work itself by its by its design is difficult and thus you know I mean I'm, I'm again. I'm glad it's in the top five, yeah. but like, it's if, it, if we want to do a top twenty Craig and we'd, playlist, we'd, we and we have a number. Imagine number two. Imagine like we were sitting here and we were like, well, you know, I'm sorry, Zara, it's Donda, it's number one. <laughs> like, it, we would be pushing our own gimmick way too far. Yeah. I, I do. <laughs> be ridiculous. I do think on the strength of the best stuff on this, having it in this conversation, I thought think was important because I think when we look back at this year. People will return to Donda. I think it'll be reappraised. I mean, a lot of the reviews were savage of Donda. Do you mm-hmm, know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's been given a fair shake. I'm happy with it being a five. Yeah, and, people yeah. wanted him to fail as as they do. And we don't. We want him to win. Mm-hmm. So we're rooting for him too. Um, whatever the order here, I think four and three are dry cleaning and Japanese breakfast. I, th- I think Japanese breakfast is definitely four. Oh, I think that's a better record. Whoa, here we go, leg. boys. I'll, I've thrown the live hand grenade in. Excellent. I'll just sit just back. musically. I know I was saying the riffs were good on the dry cleaning record, but no. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I think there's more moods to Jubilee, whereas dry cleaning is a more... Dry cleaning to me feels like a really good episode of Peep Show or something. Whereas <laughs> Jubilee just feels like a... I don't know. I think it's more... There's more versatility. It's a grander statement. What's your case, Zara? I find, well, I love um, Jubilee. There were times when I found a kind of saccharine. Um, I remember when the video for, was it I Want to Be Your Man with Michael Imperioli? Okay, yeah, yeah. I remember when that came out, I hated that song so much. And it's still actually to this day a song that I have to skip. But you, um, but you love Michael Imperioli. I do. He's my boy. Um, <laughs> as you all are. Um, there were just moments that while I do did really appreciate and value this album and I commend I commend the the leap that Michelle's honor took. There was just it was a little twee sometimes where and I also preferred spending time with Florence Shaw than I did Michelle. Okay. 
I think when I used the word lightweight earlier on, twee was the word I wanted to use. Mm. And again, I know that that's a real fucking, you know, that's a real four-letter word, isn't it? It's like a it's, real dismissive. Yeah, yeah, and it shouldn't be, because the record itself shouldn't be dismissed. It is great. It's but, a great album. But yeah. it, does, it did lose me on occasion. And I guess... In my in my surprise, I did come back being like, this dry cleaning album is actually really fucking good. I mean, like, I, I just, maybe I was in a bad mood at the time. No, I don't love it, and I'm not wanting four more of them, but I do think out of the two of those records, I think dry cleaning one has more of a, more of an impact, more of a presence, more of a physical space or something, and I like both. So, Craig? <laughs> no, you, you were kind of um, casting both there. Um, so I think in terms of democracy, I'm happy with that. So does that mean... That's very civil, Craig. So, so hang on. I'm really happy with this top five. So I think as long as we get the business end totally right, <laughs> I'll be fine. So we have... So uh, Japanese Breakfast Jubilee, number four. Yeah. yeah. yeah Dry Cleaning, New Long Leg, number long, three. Good. Donda, number five. Uh, Donda, number five. Lou Vega. Uh, so here we go. Uh, do you know what? I'm, Donda's actually out, guys. <laughs> out now. It happened. Oh, right. Sorry. I thought you meant out of the top five. I was like, what? So um, we have a top two here. We have Nick Cave and Warren Ellis and Carnage, and we have William Doyle and Great Spans of Muddy Time. Now, I, I think I know where Craig wants to go with this. Uh, and and I, I think he's wanted to go there for the entire year. <laughs> But I will say, I will say that we have we had a very emotional conversation about Nick Cave, Moore, and Ellis, and I do think that they should be very much in here. I see the argument for William Doyle as as number one. I think that's where you're going, and that's probably where you're going. Um, I'm I'm finding it tough. I'm finding it tough to, to to pick one here. They're both very impactful, unique works. They're both very... Vulnerable as well. Yes. They're both very vulnerable and they're both... They ask a lot of the listener, but they give a lot to the listener. Yeah. In a way that I think the other three albums don't, apart from the best bits of Donda. Um, so in that regard, like, if picking a winner here feels really fucking gauche to me. <laughs> like, I'm just I like... Know. Should it be a tie? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. It would never be a tie. But um, I'm happy with William Doyle being the album of the year. Yeah. I think I think given given the context of everything, his position in his career versus the other two guys, I think it's maybe arguably a more impressive quote unquote mm. statement. You know, because he's still developing that way, and we don't quite know where we're going with them. Same time, Carnage, I think, is a wonderful. Monument, yeah, and I think Carnage as a piece. I think a lot of those songs need each other, and it works really well. And Great Spans of Muddy Time totally has that. It's really cohesive. It's you know, it's its own universe. But you can pick out that those songs that for me, I think just the individual highlights are maybe slightly stronger than on mm. Carnage for me, which is why I'd have it as number one. And then yeah. Dave, you made some really good points there of like. If we went back to Perfume Genius and, you know, that's positioning, mm. it's, you know, in that same territory, it feels like a very no encore choice. I think we like, <laughs> I, I think we like to champion yeah. like artists that may or may not otherwise get to that very top echelon. Mm. It's also Bob Dylan, for example. <laughs> you still haven't listened to mine and Craig's top five, which I'll is get so there. rude. I'll get there. So rude. I listened to the rest of the episode, though, didn't you? I'm, you I did, yeah, 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 yeah. You got like one song in, you're like, I can't do this. I, I'm very busy. And no, I, we'll I, save this for the Yeah, hang on. We'll like, 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 yeah. But um, what I was going to say is that it's a really interesting top two because obviously William Doyle and Nick Cave and Warren Ellis are at two different ends of their career. William Doyle is obviously so early well not so early he has been a musician for a number of years Warren Ellis and Nick Cave obviously have been doing it for donkey's ears um, 
but to see just how uh, ambitious and how like accomplished William Doyle is so um, soon into the gate. Not sure if that's a phrase, but we're going to go with it. Um, <laughs> just to see how accomplished he is. Um, he gets me really excited for music and um, this album, anytime I listen to it, it just made my cheeks uh, sore from smiling because I loved it so much. I always was singing along to it. Um, and yeah, he really just like reinvigorated um, my love for music. Uh, in this year 2021 well who could possibly argue with that statement so (laughs) if I have this correct did an encore top 5 albums of 2021 in reverse order number 5 Kanye West and Donda number 4 Japanese Breakfast and Jubilee number 3 Dry Cleaning and New Long Leg number 2 Nick Cave and Warren Ellis and Carnage and the no encore album of 2021 is Great Spans of Muddy Time by William Doyle Feels good. Congratulations to William Doyle. Welcome on the show anytime, as are everybody that we discussed on these two episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. We did it, guys. That was so civil. (laughs) It was civil, but it was still very, you know, intense, I think. You know, there was... It was no, it was no 2020. We've, we've learned. Zara kept saying off mic that we've grown and we've matured. Yeah, and have. we'll see. I'll get to the Bob Dylan episode. Don't worry. <laughs> like it'll, it'll happen. It'll happen. Unbelievable. It'll happen. Just because you weren't on the episode, that's why. You that's the reason. Listened. Yes, I never listen to the show unless I'm on the show. <laughs> I am that much of a fucking megalomaniac. <laughs> well, listener, if you want to support us in our megalomania, you can do so at Patreon.com/slash/NoOnCore. I want to thank everybody who listened to the show this year hugely uh, from the bottom of our hearts. It's been a wonderful year for us to do the show uh continuing always i love this thing that we do together zara you've been a huge part of it thank you so so much thank you thank thanks you, for having me on thank you craig thank you dave it's been a pleasure it's been um many of these episodes have been absolute highlights of the year for me um it's been a tough couple of years but i think for all of us snow and core has been one thing that has kept us going to a certain extent i right? hope so yeah, and yeah, yeah. it wouldn't be going without adam shanahan everybody <laughs> the sonic architect of dreams. Sexy boy. Well, <laughs> I'm still just happy to be here. <laughs> well, thank God you are. All right. Uh, thank you so much, listener. Uh, my name is Dave Hanready. This has been the Encore Albums of the Year 2021. There will be a return of the show in 2022. We're not sure yet. Probably take a few weeks off. You get our bearings and return afresh. But for now, to play us out, our album of the year, William Doyle, Great Spans of Money Time. Enjoy. Scattering them But I feel alright I believe I feel alright I believe I feel alright I believe I feel Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.